Matthew 28. We've been walking through building faithful homes for the future, building a structure. We started with the foundation and then the cornerstone. We dealt with building the uh, walls last week and the framework of the house. And uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how beautiful the foundation how straight the cornerstones and the blocks and the stones and the bricks, or how straight the walls may be, when you go into the house in this day, aren't you glad you live in this day, not 120 years ago? 120 years ago, this wouldn't have been strong preaching, I don't guess, because there was no power in the house. But in this day, you walk in that structure with straight walls, straight bricks, nice foundation, and you flip on that switch on the wall, you want some power. Uh, Now all the ladies said amen. Men, you very well know, you very well know, on Sunday morning, if the power goes out, the the, the, uh, air blow dryer doesn't work, the curling iron doesn't heat, you are not making it out the door on time to church. Is that right, Miss Kathy? Say amen. My wife will say amen. You walk into the house and the power's out, you're in trouble. You got to have power in the home. And just as a house needs power in this day to function, a home needs the Almighty's power to function. With Christ revealed in it, Matthew 28, Jesus meets the disciples and he's meeting with them to reveal his passion, why he died and his power. We well know the scripture, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. When I think about the power in the home, there's three things that I think about. I think, number one, about the preeminence of power. Jesus said of himself, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. That is the authority of it. Now, in our home, the authority of power is definitely Jesus Christ. He has all power. He had all power over creation. The very God that spoke this world into existence, separated light from darkness, flung out the stars into the heavens. And I have a a crazy imagination. I've told teenagers over and over through the years, I think God sat somewhere in the eons of eternity and he began to fling with his finger, Brother Matt, one by one. And I think he watched them, and then all of a sudden he said, you stop there, you stop there, there, that's good. And maybe in the midst of it, guys, like a video game, young man, Jesus said, now, 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 now. The God of creation had all power to throw the stars, the millions of stars, and yet he had the creation on earth to subdue the winds and the seas. He was given all power. Over creation, he was given all power over disease. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus comes off the mount teaching. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and he's coming down off the mount, and a man with leprosy comes to Jesus. 
And I can see the disciples saying, Jesus, don't get near him. He's unclean. He's unclean, Jesus. Jesus says, I can take care of that. Because all power is given unto me over creation, over disease, uh, over, over sin. Mark chapter 2. One of my favorite passages in all the New Testament. Mark chapter 2. I believe Jesus is in Simon Peter's house. And it goes through the city. The Bible says, oh, what a statement, Brother Joe. And it was noised abroad that he was in the house. The one with all power was in the house. And they bring to him one on a bed and let him down through the roof. Now, you know whoever's house, I I believe it was Peter's house. But whosever house he was in, somebody had to really love Jesus to let them tear the roof off the house. And to let somebody down. And Jesus looks at that man in Mark chapter 2 and verse number 5. And he says, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the crowd questioned, what manner of man is this to, to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Yes, sir, God in the flesh dwelling among men because all power was given unto him. And even the power over death, John 11, Lazarus, and even his very own John Ten seventeen. I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. The preeminence of this power, the authority of it, it is from Christ. It is from above because all power is given to him. The preeminence of it, number two, the procuring of it. Or the availability of it. Now, you can do all you want. Go to the bank, sign a loan, walk in a house. But if the power has not been turned on, if the price has not been paid. How many of you remember the first home you bought? Got ready to walk out, walked out of the bank, Brother Joe. And then the, the great banker man there says, oh, by the way, sir. Um, you need to go pay to have the power turned on. Well, thanks. Y'all could have told me that a few days earlier. I signed the loan. I'm ready to move in the house. want my wife to get in there. I want her set up home, and I got to go pay for the power. Power has been paid for. Power has been paid for. It was paid for on Mount Calvary. There's a price to be paid for the power. And in this life, spiritually, dad's in our home. There's a price to be paid for the power. Jesus said, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. You want the power, you got to pay for it. you got to spend time with Jesus. He did his part paying on the cross. We have to do our part paying down here. Paying the price to spend time with Christ. Prayer and fasting. And when you pay the price, you get the power. You get the availability of it. Brother Barry, Brother Barry makes such a great illustration, kind of hitting on this this morning. If the power's on and it's been paid for, then not only do you pay for it, but you have to plug into it. It does no good for me to say, babe, the power's on. Fix that hair. We're going to get ready to go to church. It does no good for her to stand there with a blow dryer and not put it in the wall. You must plug in to the power. Our power source is plugged into with prayer and fasting, being in the midst with Jesus, getting into presence, plugging in 
to the source, and Jesus is always the source. You must plug into it. Now, I got to thinking about this thing this week, Brother Joe, when we were writing our devotions, and uh, boy, it's easy to think about electrical power in our home, but has it ever dawned on you there are two sources of power in your home? There's an electrical power, and there's also a hydro power. One provides light and life, and one washes out disease, filth, waste, impurities, and without both in your home, one bringing light and life, one washing out the impurities, put it on the spiritual realm, Brother Tom, without the Spirit of God providing light and life in your life, and without the Word of God washing out the impurities in your life, your home don't function properly. How many of y'all, hey men, how many of you got married, got in the house, man, the electricity works, everything's going great, you've been married two weeks, and then all of a sudden, one day, the hydropower quits, you've stopped up a toilet, and nowhere on God's green earth in your house can you find what you need. I think every couple ought to get married and have a plunger. Something's got to be washed out. You've got to have the electric power. You've got to have the hydro power. And it's available. Number three. Number three, the presentation of it. The influence of it. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's writing <laughs> under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, amen, and him crucified. Now watch verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and fear. That's the physical side. That's what the devil puts on us when we're not plugged in. I was with you in weakness and fear. And in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but what was it? But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Presentation of it. Man, what good does it do to, to have the electricity on and not use it? Not sit in the light. And Paul said, Paul said, my, my life, my speech, my speech was with power from on high. My preaching, you say, I'm not a preacher. You have a life to live, a testimony. Actions speak louder than words. You have to have the power on it and his faith. That your faith would be in the demonstration of power. See, we, we got to have the power of God in our homes. Dads, I don't know about y'all, this so convicts me, and especially when my boys were younger, Brother Earl, but even more now, there's a world to influence, not just my family. And in my home, I need the power, and I got to be connected, and you got to be turned on to the power. Otherwise, what good is it? I read a story a long time ago, Brother Joel, about a little lady up in the mountains of North Carolina. She was a sweet little old lady up in years and her family convinced her finally to 
power up her house and bring electricity to her home years ago. And so finally they did. They put power in her home, Brother Hartley. The power company watched month after month after month. The power bill was never over $3. Finally, one day they sent somebody out and said, Ma'am, how do you keep such a low power bill? What are you doing? She said, oh, I, I, I don't need power in my home. My family just told me to get it hooked up. And I just turn on the light in the evening to read a little bit, and then I turn it off and go to bed. What good does it have in our life to have the power available, have it at our very hands and fingertips, and never turn it on? Get plugged in and let God shine through us. Great job, buddy. Great job. We thank the Lord for the power. And there's a lot of powers in our day. There's the power of money. There's the power of influence. There's the power of politics. There's the power of, of, of social standing. But the kind of power we're talking about is the power of God. Sovereign power, supernatural power. And I love the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 62, in verse number 11. If you got your devotional for today, it's, it's in there. But Psalm 62, verse 11, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this. Now, first of all, have you ever been out in the yard or at a mountain or somewhere and you say something? And it echoes back to you. You say it and it echoes back. It's almost like it's been said twice. Well, God has spoken once. But when God speaks, I believe his people, that voice echoes in our heart. And it echoes in our life. And it said, God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. The echo of God's voice in my life. That power belongeth unto God. He is the source of our power. Because tonight there are some things that money cannot buy. There are some things tonight that politics cannot obtain. And I believe tonight there are some things that a social stimulus package cannot produce. I believe what we need in America tonight, what we need in our family tonight, and what we've got to have in our churches again is the power of God. I was preaching one night down in Florida, and I preached on the Spirit-filled life, how we're nothing without the power of God. And I preached on the moving of the Holy Spirit. And on the way to the motel that night, I knew the pastor was awful quiet. I could tell that Something had rubbed him wrong. But, you know, I didn't know if he had a little hair up here and an ingrown toenail. I don't know what his problem was. But the next day, taking me to the airport to catch my plane back home, he said, uh, Reverend Arthur, before you get out of the car, I want to tell you something. I said, go ahead, buddy. He said, I want you to know I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. I said, run that by me again. He said, I want you to know I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. He said, I've heard Jack Isles, I've heard my pastor, I've heard all them old-timey preachers about getting in the power of God, getting to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, I just want you to know I don't believe any of that. 
I said, well, son, before I get out of your truck, let me tell you something. I don't care because I believe it enough for me and you both. And if you don't want your anointing and you don't want your power and you don't want your blessing, pass her down my way. I feel about the power of God in my life like Elijah did when he got on the coattail of Elijah, that mighty man of God. Every time Elijah turned around, there was this young preacher. And finally one day, Elijah asked him, said, what do you want with me? What do you want me to do for you? I mean, why are you hanging around me? And that young preacher said, I want a double portion. He said, I want what you have, and I want twice as much. And he wasn't talking about his money. He wasn't talking about his house. He wasn't talking about his clout. He had seen the power of God, the touch of God, the breeze of God upon Elijah's life. He had heard about him being fed by that brook. He heard about him being blessed out of that barrel. He heard how he'd raised that boy from the dead. He seen how he had battled the enemies of God on top of Mount Carmel. He had seen him pray that it wouldn't rain and it didn't, and seen him praying that it rained and it did. He saw the evidence that he was connected to a higher power. And that young man said, Here's what I want. I want a double portion. I want what you have and twice as much. I want a double portion. And the man of God says, you got it. If you see me when I go and you get my mantle, you can have the double portion. Let it be. And God give that young man a double portion. God let him live twice as long. God let him minister twice as long. God let him preach twice as much. And God let him perform twice the miracles of Elijah. That tells me something tonight. God will be as real to you as you will let him be. Can I say that again? God will be as real to you as you will let him be. I don't believe God would provide and promise us something, then withhold it from us when we ask him and meet his condition to do it. God knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows without his ability, without his strength, without his power, we can do nothing. But I'm glad, ladies and gentlemen, the power of God belongeth to him, but he bestows it on those who ask him. Oh, May tonight we hear the reverberating voice of God as it says, Power belongeth unto God. And he is the source and the strength of our power. Politics is not. Money is not. Social programs are not. God is the source the fountainhead of our power. You want power? You got to get a hold of God. And God gets a hold of you. Or the Tom made this statement. Let me go back and underline it. It says that power belongeth unto God. And you'll find three sources of the power of God in the scripture. He already quoted Matthew 28 verse 18. All power is given unto me, Jesus said, in heaven and in earth. Beside of that, write down the word, the incarnate Savior. 
Where is the power of God? It's in the incarnate Savior, Jesus Christ. You know Jesus, you're on your way to power. You walk with Jesus, you're on your way to power. You fellowship with Jesus, you're on your way to power. You put the Lord Jesus Christ in the rightful place in your life and you're on your way to the ability and the unction and the power and the strength and the energy of God in your life. The old time preacher would say, you make much of Jesus and Jesus will make much of you. He is the theme of our singing. He is the theme of our preaching. He is the love of our life. And aren't you glad that in Jesus Christ there is power? And the closer you are to Jesus, the more the power of God is evident in your life. You can't have power outside of the incarnate Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the power of God. Then I want you to turn real quickly to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. Not only is there power in the incarnate Savior, but look in chapter 1 of Acts and verse number 8, there is power in the indwelling Spirit. Not only do we have power in the incarnate Savior, Jesus Christ, but we have power in the indwelling Spirit, the Spirit of God. Let me quote Brother Tom's verse again. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, when I came to you, I did not come to you in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. And notice what he said in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 11, and you shall receive power. And I want to add, not before and not until. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And the very first thing somebody does when the Spirit of God empowers them, verse 8, and you shall be witnesses unto me. The greatest evidence of a Spirit-controlled, Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life is a Bright witness for Jesus Christ. And he said, you shall receive this power to serve me. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now we know at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit is the agency of God that draws people to Christ. And someone will not be saved, cannot be saved, won't want to be saved without the drawing power of the Spirit of God. And when one believes on Christ, they are spirit-regenerated, spirit-sun-placed, spirit-adopted, spirit-baptized into the body of Christ and sealed there of until the day of redemption. But listen to me tonight, God wants to do more than save us. God wants us to do more than the drop off to heaven on our way up. He wants you to be filled and anointed and controlled and driven by the Spirit of God in your life and in mine. And one of the great birthrights of being a Christian 
He's Ephesians 5.18, being not drunk with wine, where is the results thereof, but being filled with the Spirit of God. Have you, have you ever wondered why he used such an analogy? Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but please don't. I beg you not to raise your hand. Some people are too honest. Anybody here ever been drunk? Anybody here ever seen anybody drunk? Anybody here feels like there's somebody near you tonight that might be on something? Can I get a witness? Uh, my daddy had a brother named Boogie. And, and nobody made fun of his name because he was too big to be made fun of. And uh, he would get drunk every Saturday night. And man, he would get all messed up. He'd call my dad and you could tell, man, something is controlling him. With that in his body, he was fine. But if he got that substance, he was messed up. And I remember the Sunday morning when my grandmama called and said, I need to speak to your daddy. Grandma was a crying. She said, I need to speak to your daddy. I said, Daddy, Grandma. And then Daddy got the phone, and the phone went one way. Daddy went one way, and finally I calmed him down. Mama was called to tell him, Oh, Boog had gotten saved that morning at their little church. Glad God saved him. God changed him. He, he told me one time, he said, Son, I'm still drinking, but I'm drinking from a different fountain. But they say, they say, I've never been there myself, but they say when a man or woman is intoxicated, their walk, their speech, their reactions, their muscles, everything of their life is being controlled by that substance that is in them. I don't know anything about that. I don't want to know anything about that. And you young people don't need to know anything about that either. But I do know something about this. That there is an energy and there is a strength and there is a Holy Spirit when it fills somebody and controls somebody and lords in that person's life. It controls the way they talk. It controls the way they think. It controls the way they react. And the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit of God, the glorious Spirit of God, the light Spirit of God, the wise Spirit of God. And God controls us with light and power and love and holiness when we're powered by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times when you preach on that, people think, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't need that in my life. Listen to your preacher tonight. If you're raising kids in this ungodly, anti-kid society we live in, you better get a hold of God so God can get a hold of them. I'm glad for I'm glad for the power of the Lord that's available for our Sunday school teachers, and I'm glad for the power of the Lord that's available for our choir and our singers and our staff and our preachers. I pray every night. I pray every morning. God, when I stand to preach tonight, oh God, come on me, bless me, help me, give me authority, give me liberty, give me power. I want to be unctionized, but let me tell you something. You need the power of God in your world that you live in, the family that you live in. 
And the more you have the Spirit of God leading you, guiding you, controlling you, the more the power of God will be unleashed in your life. Because the power is in the incarnate Savior. The power is in the indwelling Spirit. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, may God take over our life tonight. Because I promise you, He can run and lord our lives a lot better than we can. I believe one of the most foolish things we do is try to run our life without the power of God. And we'll tell you something, we'll all make a mess of it. But if we will listen and lean upon the Holy Spirit, John said he would guide us into all truth. I promise you tonight, the Holy Spirit will never lead you wrong. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into selfishness and bitterness and rebellion. The Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. I promise you this tonight, the Holy Spirit will never lead you contrary to the Word of God. And I'm glad for the incarnate Christ. I'm glad for the indwelling Spirit. But then one more scripture. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. God has spoken and it's echoed in my soul. Power belongeth to God. The incarnate Savior, the closer I am to Him, the more power I'll have. The indwelling Spirit, the more the Spirit of God leads, guides, controls my life, my mind, my heart, my thinking, the more the power of God I'll have in my life. It has a third area. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 12. You ready? For the Word of God is quick. And don't let them King James word mess you up. That word quick in the old English, King James, means alive. Somebody said, what about that living Bible? I preach from one every Sunday. This is alive. For the word of God is quick. The word of God is alive. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Say that word with me. The word of God is quick and powerful. The Word of God is alive and the Word of God is powerful. And he uses this analogy and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. In other words, the Word of God is power. So therefore, if the incarnate Savior is power, and the closer I get to Him, the more power I have. And if the indwelling Spirit is power, and the more He controls me, the more power I have, then the inspired Scriptures, the inspired Scriptures of the Word of God, which is the Bible, is the power of God. So the more I get of this, the more power I have in my life. I know this is elementary, but listen to this. You cannot be a victorious, holy, separated, powerful Christian apart from a daily ingestion of the Word of God. You can't get too much of the Word of God. Saturate your mind. Saturate your heart. 
He said, I don't understand it. Read it anyway. Well, I can't explain it. Read it anyway. I can't remember all of it. Read it anyway. Because if the word of God is powerful, and the more the word of God is in you and me, the more power of God that we're going to have. If the Bible's light, then we're not going to have any light without the Bible. If the Bible is truth, we'll have no truth without the Bible. If the Word of God is life, there's no life without the Bible. If the Word of God is wisdom, there is no wisdom without the Bible. If the Bible is knowledge, there is no knowledge without the Bible. If there's no, if the Bible is freedom and liberty, there's no freedom and liberty without the Bible. And the Bible is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. I'd like to teach sometime just what David through the Psalms thought about the Word of God. He said it's been exalted above God's name. Now that's exalted. He said, God has exalted his word above his name. He said, how shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to thy word? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David said, thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David said that heaven and earth would pass away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. They're all the time having to update textbooks. They're always having to update textbooks. Well, Brother Tom was preaching tonight about the power supply. Can you imagine a preacher back in Spurgeon's day 150 years ago talking about Power in your home. Plugging up power in your home. As he talked about the hair dryers and the curling irons and, and all of that. Can you imagine a preacher a hundred years ago preaching about a hair dryer and a blow dryer and a curling iron? I mean, stuff like that didn't exist. But i tell you what did exist. The Word of God. Son, old Benjamin Franklin, I'd love to meet him sometime. I mean, I don't want to die to meet him, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not dying to meet anybody. Can I get a witness? Old Benjamin Franklin out there flying that kite, and man, that light strikes it. Hey, they've had to update electrical manuals all the ways, all the time. Man, textbooks have to be updated. I used to hear my daddy preach, Julie, when I was a little kid. Your daddy, too, about them witnesses in the book of the Revelation dying and being resurrected from the dead in the streets of Jerusalem. And the whole world sees it when it happened. I never was brave enough to say that to my daddy. But I'm thinking, Dad, I love you. And I know that's an awesome thing. But how in the world is two old codgers going to die and get raised from the dead downtown Jerusalem and the whole world see it? Son, you can ride down your the road looking at your phone and watch the Falcons cough up another game. I'm here to tell you, technology changes. They have to update the science book and the math book. 
But I want to tell you, honey, there is one book they'll never have to update. They'll never have to abridge it. They'll never have to do anything to it. It's the word of the Lord. It endureth forever. It's quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It's awesome tonight. And the more the word of God is in me, the more power I'm going to have. If you had, and I know when I use this illustration, animal lovers hate me. So just, it's just an illustration. But if you had two dogs, and anybody that's got one dog, you have my prayers. Anybody with two dogs, you need an offering tonight. But if you had two dogs, those dogs were going to fight. You take that one dog and you starve it and you never feed it. You take this other dog and you feed it and you feed it and you feed it. Man, you don't have to think hard what dog's going to win that contest, the strong one that's been fed. Well, if you're saved tonight in you, there's a dog fight going on between the Spirit of God and our old rotten, unregenerate flesh. And some of you Baptists need to understand the only thing God done for your flesh when he saved you is put the Spirit of God in there to fight it. And tonight, that warfare, that dog fight is in me. My flesh is weak, but my spirit is willing. More, they're gnawing at one another. Romans 8 said they're lusting after each other. There's conflict there. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you who's going to win the fight in the life of your preacher. The one that I nourish, the one that I feed, the one that I attend to. And if I constantly feed my mind and my spirit, flesh and sin and rebellion and that which is not pleasing in the sight of God I'll become weak and I will be devoured by the enemy but if I pray lean on the Holy Ghost pour the word of God in my life fellowship with Jesus Christ I can win that battle through the power of God because that's power in the inspired scriptures in the indwelling spirit in the incarnate Savior I don't want to oversimplify this tonight, but I don't want to overcomplicate this tonight. Brother Tom was so right. You got to be plugged in. And the closer you are to Jesus, and the more you're led by the Spirit, and the more the Word of God is in your life, the power of God will be there. Out here in East Georgia, that was an old-time preacher Named E.M. Bounds. It's hard to believe somebody like that just lived his less than an hour from here. E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds has written about seven or eight books on prayer. Some of the greatest material you'll ever read on prayer. In his book called The Power of Prayer, man, if you got a sale or your wife's shoes or a shotgun, or Bob, one of your golf clubs. Buy that book on E.M. Bounds by the power of prayer. And in that book, E.M. Bounds makes this statement. He says, at the fingertips of our military leaders are weapons that can destroy mankind. But at the fingertips of a child of God is the power to live a Christian life 
that would please the Lord. I'm telling you tonight, the greatest Christian in the world was the Apostle Paul. And he said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if Paul needed the power of God in his life, how much more do you and I need the incarnate Savior, the indwelling Spirit, the inspired Scriptures? And the more you get of that, the power of God can be evident and real in your life.